Now on Radio Italia Uno. It's time for Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. An hour where we have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build, and increase your business. Right now, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you. Good afternoon, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And the reason why we say good afternoon is because we're here in Adelaide on Radio Italia Uno every Monday from 2 till 3. So thank you very much for everybody that listens to us on Radio Italia Uno here in Adelaide on 87.6 FM. And of course, good morning, good afternoon, and good night to everybody that's listening to us on podcast because after the radio show, That same evening, thanks to Ron from Podcast City, it is podcasted around the world to over 40 countries. Now, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that shared this program because it's it's not about me, it's about my guests and and more importantly, it's about you, the listeners. We have had a a lot, uh, honestly, I just get... Some some weeks we seem to get more than others, but we have lots and lots of people. And thank you so much that send me emails and questions or answers and uh, with more questions about what I've sent them or what they've sent me or what our guests have been saying. And a few weeks or oh, several months back, I had a gentleman come on who had started a business and became the biggest business in Australia of making mag wheels. And here from Adelaide, little old city of Adelaide that nobody knows about, became the biggest mag wheel manufacturer in Australia from here. And then about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I brought him on again because of uh, several people had asked me questions about him and we talked about another aspect of his business and another aspect of what he's doing. But I've been getting messages which are very similar questions, but the question was, oh, yes, it's okay, but they were the good old days. Now, could you start a business today with little money? That's the question, basically. Can you start a business today with little money? And the answer is still the same. Yes, yes, you can. Damn sure you can. Now, just to give you one example of somebody that we had on the program last year or two years ago, they started a business, and even just recently, Last as last week or the week before, we had a, a gentleman on the program who started a business online. Online, the business is called the Canvas Shop. Look it up if you don't believe me. The Canvas Shop. His name is Jonathan, and Jonathan started a business online with only one product. You know, and uh, this other person started a business with one product only, and it's grown to many products. But initially. They had one product. They decided to put it online and just advertise it and put put it through the media. And all of a sudden, they're beginning more and more. There was a young lady, a young lady that I uh, have spoken to some time back, quite a while back now, probably four years ago. Uh, she started a business, which is coffee, just coffee, roasting coffee. She went to a, a some place and the person there said, oh, we can roast your coffee for you. And you can give it away as presents. And she thought, what a great idea. So she bought a whole lot of coffee, specially roasted, and she gave it to her father, she gave it to her grandfather, she gave it to other relatives and other friends for Christmas about four years ago. And then they all came back to her and said, that was great coffee. Where do I buy it from? Where can I get some? And her friends would come over and have coffee with her 
So she decided to put them into a half a kilo bag, a 500-gram bag or a kilo bag, and then she went up to two kilo bags, and she won't make them much higher because she said it costs more to post it than what the coffee's worth. She said, but she's been selling them on the net and making a huge, huge profit. And in the last four years, I'm not even going to tell you how much money she's making at the moment per year selling coffee, only coffee. That's all she does. Sells coffee. She buys it from a coffee a roaster. Now she has her own special roast that she's done and somebody else does it for her. She just goes there and she doesn't even take it home anymore. She just gets it packed and sent straight out. Now, there was another person who has been doing tea bags and this young lad, 15 years of age, is making more money this year than his father does and his father's a professional, right? And he's just selling tea bags from his bedroom and he's got his father said he's going to use a garage and they've got a garage full of things and he gets his mates, his student friends, come around and put so many bags of tea bags into a, an envelope and send them off to people. It's incredible. Now that he started with no money, no money at all. He bought his first lot of tea bags and cost him 20, 30 bucks. So, you know, really his own pocket money started a business. So, And this Jonathan has started the canvas shop and he was here in our studio two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, and we were, we were speaking to him as well. So, you know, yes, it is possible to start a business without any money or with very, very, very little money. You just need to be creative. That's all. Look, if you want more ideas, like I keep saying, please give me a call. You know, send me another message and I'll, I'll answer it as quick as I can and we'll do it. Now, this week for this particular show, we're doing something totally, totally different. And I've been told it's going to be different and, and whatever, so we'll see what happens. Now, last week you would have heard Brian Lee, who was a principal uh, at Aberfoyle Park High School, but he was all his story and the many, many things he's done in his life, which has inspired and helped a lot of people, um, you know, right across the state of South Australia. And now he's going to be running the show. So, Brian, over to you. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. You sit here every time Peter is on a, a podcast and radio and you hear from Peter and his guests. Uh, I had a little discussion with him a little over two weeks ago when he asked me to be his guest on the program. Um, I'd had a few uh, uh, drinks at a, at a show uh, with Peter and I suggested we have a little bit of a reverse take. You know, I thought it might be interesting if you, uh, as his many listeners, uh, find out a little bit about the life of Peter Celano. His life has been one of constant self improvement in my opinion and constant self-motivation. He has always had a desire to uh, better himself and to pass uh, his, his knowledge um, on to help others. And I'm sure that is so obvious uh, to everyone, just even from the introduction uh, of the session where he is uh, asking for, uh, for feedback in, a, in order to help others. Uh, his life, in his life, he has been, and this is in no particular order, he has been a professional entertainer, and we'll find out a little bit more about that, I'm sure. 
Uh, he has been a, a motivational uh, speaker uh, and a very good motivational speaker, I've, I hear. Uh, he has been a clown doctor. Now, you may well ask, what is a clown doctor? Well, I'm sure that Peter will answer that for you tonight. He has been in a more mundane role as an insurance agent and a broker. Peter has had a surprising and very interesting life, and that's what we'll tease out a little bit tonight. His mission has always been and will always be to help and support all sections of the community. That's not only locally, uh, but that is uh, nationally and internationally. He offers to help uh, and to advise and to encourage him. And so uh, with that very brief introduction, uh, Peter, I'd like to start and ask you to tell us a little bit about the first few years uh, as a young boy, a young five-year-old, I believe, who came with his parents uh, from Italy um, to South Australia. It was not an easy time for Peter. His mastery of the language took a considerable time and he embarked on a role of self-improvement to improve himself where he has got those literacy and oral skills that he, that he has now. So, Peter, if you could just tell us a little bit about those very difficult first years, I'm sure everyone would be very interested. Wow. I wonder who you were talking about there for a while. <laughs> this is quite humbling, you know, being at the other end of the microphone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, look, yes, I have my dad to, to thank for the fact that I'm here and we as a family are here in Australia. After the Second World War, uh, dad was a, a prisoner in England for uh, the last few years of the war where he worked in, uh, on, a, on a property. Instead of being in a prison camp, he went out and worked on a property. So he learnt a little bit of English and he, he, you know, he was endeared himself to the English um, people that he was working with on the farm. And then um, after the war, he had the opportunity to go back to England or had the opportunity to come to Australia. And because several of his friends and relatives and that who were coming to Australia or wanting to come to Australia he decided that he'd come to Australia. Now, you know, he wasn't a great learned person. He had no really idea about what Australia was, but somehow he landed in Adelaide. You know, somebody that he knew had asked him to come to Adelaide. And within a couple of years of him, or within a year of him being here, he had worked so hard day and night, you know, seven days a week or like they say, eight days a week because he worked nights as well as days. Yep to get enough money to bring mum out here with five children. Mm -hmm. So he paid, you know, for us, mum and five children to come out from Italy. Now, we came out from Italy on a ship, which was an old uh, ship that had been converted to a warship and or, you know, a cargo ship and then to a passenger ship. And we came out on a cargo ship from Italy. So it was like third class, if you, you know, if that. But basically within a couple of years... We had a home to live in. We had a, our own home. Dad bought a home, didn't rent a house. He, he went out and bought a house. And then we moved from that house within a year to another property from Richmond in South Australia. We moved to Theberton. And then from there, we moved up into the Adelaide Hills. Mm. And in the Adelaide Hills, like it's country area. So we lived in a country town or a country area. And being in a country area, we had like a country school. Believe it or not, it was as big as a lounge room of a house. Mm. 
It was one room and there were seven grades in that one room. We had one teacher that had a bedroom as about like as big as a, an ordinary kitchen window <laughs> was the blackboard. Mm. And uh, there was one teacher and uh, there was grade one and two in one corner, grade three and four, five and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's it. We're you know, about 10, 12 kids in that that whole school. Peter, let's hear a little bit. I mean, just briefly, you told me that in a sense, the education department, the education system at the time was not geared up to provide the support that it could have for a young student like you. They were difficult years for us. Tell us a little bit about those difficult years, because I think it's important that the listeners need to understand that those first years were very difficult for Peter. Uh, and as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, it Peter's life has been one of self-improvement and self-motivation in order to better himself. Let's hear a little bit more about that, Peter. Well, basically, being in a, in a school with one teacher and seven grades, it was very hard to get any teacher's attention. Plus the fact I wasn't speaking English at the time. I could only speak Italian. So the teacher couldn't speak any Italian, so he just put me in a corner. Like they used to have a dunce corner, you know, and I was the dunce. You know, he put me in the corner and said, okay, every so often he'd get me to do things. Now, surprising enough, my English wasn't very good because I didn't speak with many people and I only spoke with my brothers and sisters who were in the same class. So we spoke Italian to each other. So it was quite interesting when I think mm. about it. And the teacher allowed it simply because the teacher didn't know what to say and couldn't understand us anyway. So for the first couple of years, being in, at that school in, the, in that particular class with that particular teacher... We didn't speak much English, but when it came to maths and, uh, you know, or arithmetic as they call it, you know, when it comes to arithmetic and science, I was actually quite good. When the teacher started speaking to us, I started to understand English. So I, my geography and social studies and those sort of subjects I was good at. My mathematics I was good at, but I was quite dyslexic and I didn't know what dyslexia was at the time and, and until I was in my 20s, I think, or, you know, late uh, teens that I found out about dyslexia. but And, I, you, and, I, you, and you found it very difficult, um, Peter, with the, with, with the language skills and you found it difficult to express yourself clearly. Um, I mean, what impresses me most about Peter is he went from an early stage that he's talking about now to the Peter Salerno that we see today where he is a, a very accomplished speaker, uh, he ad-libs uh, so well uh, on the radio uh, and you would never, ever guess that he had uh, that difficulty, uh, that those difficult times in the early years. And I think that really says a lot for Peter and says a lot for what anybody can do if they put their mind to it in a positive sense, which is really what Peter is all about. Thank you, Brian. I mean, uh, that's... You know, the thing is I had to be creative because I couldn't read and I couldn't write and I couldn't speak uh, English. So I had to try and create other aspects of myself. But I was very, very shy. And like I said, until I was 12, I didn't speak English. Mm. So we're going to have to take a break because time's up, but we'll come back and I'll mm. tell you Thank more you, about that. Yep. When you hear the name Bocelli Cafe, you think an Adelaide institution a family restaurant that's been providing the finest Italian cuisine for almost two decades. 
coffee of the highest quality and staff that treat you like family. Spacious, COVID-safe indoor dining and a fully heated outdoor area. The kitchen is always prepared for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Parking's a dream. Bocelli Cafe Restaurant, 81 to 83 Hutt Street, Adelaide. Call them, 8232-3006 to book. Or follow Bocelli on Facebook and Instagram. Foodland's proudly owned by South Australian families like mine. Our stores are our second home. And just like home, we want you to feel safe and looked after when you visit. Thankfully, our customers have always acted like Mighty South Aussies when shopping with us. Which, by the way, supports all the local family-owned brands who produce the essentials you find on our shelves. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Foodland, the Mighty South Aussies, yeah! Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley. Join me each Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. for Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, destroying victim philosophy, canceling cancel culture, and by discussing as well as listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, beliefs, business, history, world events, and more. Change the world with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia Uno Sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia Uno You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM uh, Thank you I'll continue uh, my interview with Peter uh, Saluno This is a a bit of a reverse take for him because he is normally sitting where I'm sitting and I'm sitting where he is uh, sitting having to answer his questions. I think we've heard earlier that the early days of Peter's life have not been easy and I'd like him to uh, pick up a little bit on that because what I'm interested in and what I believe the uh, listeners will be interested in is the way he sought to improve himself from a time where he had very, very difficult language skills and skills in communicating to where Peter is today. So if you could sort of tease that out a little bit for us, Peter, I'd appreciate it. Well, like I said, up until the age of 12, I really didn't speak much English. I started speaking English around about the age of 10 or 12. You know, I started speaking more and more English. Up until then, we'd lived in a farm and we, we just spoke with our you know immediate family. But then I, I was very shy because of the fact that I didn't speak English and I didn't communicate with other people. I was actually quite shy with other people. And, and people would say, oh, yeah, Peter's shy. So I went into that mould, you know. And it wasn't until much later that I moved from the country and I was about 14 or 15 when we came to the city. And that's when I started to go to a school in the city and then I'd be picked on because of the way I spoke or the way I didn't speak so well. And people were quite mean. They used to bash us up because we were Italian Mm. or Mm. bash us up because we were different or, you know, come over and bully us all the time. So, you know, I decided to start fighting back and I'd say to these people, don't pick on me, I'll knock your head off, you know. And they said, oh, Mm. yeah. Mm. And they were the the school bully. They'd been at that school all their life, you know, or all their grades. So when they picked on me, 
I came from the country and I, I was stronger than them or I was faster than them. You know, I, mm. I was physically yep. fitter than most of the kids in the city because mm. I used to run around the hills all the time, you know. Mm. And so I was strong and enough to beat these bullies. And then all of a sudden the bullies became my friends, you know, because they couldn't pick on me. And from there I learned how to defend myself. I learned how to speak up for myself. And even though I didn't speak English very well, I wanted to speak better. You know, I wanted to be uh, to fit in, but the teachers I had, I had a couple of teachers that encouraged me to do better. You know, and then I did what I could with the spelling and the reading, and I couldn't, I could not read. Mm. I just could not read, and the, the teacher thought that I, my eyes were cross-eyed and this and that, but nobody really knew about dyslexia. Mm. Nobody mm. really knew about you know all the remedial classes that they have nowadays. Yeah. But you know, I I struggled on with everything, and. I remember I was at high school and I was just getting through the classes, you know, and one year we had a science master that came to our school and he said, from now on, he said, you are going to be marked on your knowledge of science, not your spelling. This is not an English class where we're teaching you to spell. He said, if you can't say the word or spell the word philodomide, as long as we know that that's the word, we're going to pass you. You know, and if you can't spell some of these words, it doesn't matter. We're going to pass you because you know what it is, you know. Mm. So I used to spell phonetically, yep. you know, as as I say the word, that's how I spelt it. And, you know, if the teacher tried hard enough, they'd be able to read it. But because it wasn't spelt correctly, I'd get marked down. So I'd, yep. I'd have a science exam where I got everything right, but I got low marks because of my spelling. Mm. And this, that year I got... 95% for my science. You know, I couldn't believe it. I went from, you know, 60 or 70 up to 95 within, you know, a, a couple of weeks of this new master being at our school. Yeah. So all of a sudden I thought, well, maybe I'm not as dumb as they think I am, you know. Yeah. And I got moved up the following year to a higher level class. Yeah. So there's a A level, B level and C level. I, w I was down at the C level and I got moved up to the B class, you know, which was much, much higher. And from there, I started to get more and more confidence. And then while I was at school, I used to do a lot of sports. And that gave me a lot of confidence because I was a champion. I, I became a champion rugby player. I became a, a, a champion boxer, you know. And our, our school was boxing was a, a big thing, you know, and rugby was a big thing. And I was in the boxing team and the rugby team. And the same teacher, believe it or not, taught music. So I learned to play the guitar because he was a great teacher. Yeah, teacher can make a lot of difference, can't it? Teacher Peter? made so much difference. That in high school, I had a couple of teachers that really helped me. And one of them was helping me with my reading and my writing and my speaking and that sort of thing. And the other one was excelling in sport and encouraged me to do rugby and encouraged me to, to do music and boxing. I used to play rugby, A-grade rugby for Burnside which was a really strong team mm. in the 60s and the early 70s, while I was still at sc a schoolboy, mm. you know, and, and I've got two brothers which are older than me. So the three of us were in the Burnside A-grade team, you know, while I was still at school. So it was unheard of. Mm, it's good. Peter, can we get to a few of these, you know, some of your achievements, professional you know, entertainer, motivational speaker. And I really must ask you, you need to answer this question before any others. What does a clown doctor do? Does a clown doctor go around looking for clowns with COVID-19 or, <laughs> or sick clowns on the 
ground, like shaking yeah. and shivering. What what right. does a clown doctor do? Well, there's a guy called Patch Adams in America, and Robin Williams, uh, unfortunately, before he died, he made a movie called Patch, and it was about uh, a doctor who dresses like a clown and goes around trying to entertain the children or the, the people that he's uh, on the wards, you know. So what they were trying to do, he was trying to make people laugh yep. and entertain the children by making them laugh, by uh, making them heal better and faster. Because if you're happy, you'll heal much, much faster. And if he can make you laugh, they, they don't think about the pain. If they can make you laugh, you tend to eat more, you tend to recover faster. So that was the idea of a, a doctor dressing up like a clown. Yeah. And then, of course, to make it you know easier for everybody, they brought in some professional clowns to come in to dress up like a doctor with a white coat you know, and make them all laugh and go around and do funny things. But the thing is you still have to study a fair bit about the, the fact that you just can't go in and make people laugh. Mm. You know, If somebody's dying... You have to be able to be... You know a bit of psychology, don't a you? A lot of psychology comes into it. A lot of understanding how the parents feel, yep. you know, understanding how the grandparents feel, understanding how the child themselves feel. But if you can entertain the child that's dying or the parent yep. that's dying or the person who's dying, then the people around will be better, you know. Yeah, true. And yeah. that's what it's all about. So it, it's it's a lot of stuff that people think, oh, yeah, just dress, you know, a person in a costume is not a clown, mm. you know. A person in a costume is not a Father Christmas, mm. you know. And that's the big problem. A lot of people think, yeah, you just put on a clown suit and you can be a clown. Mm. Well, you can't. You have to mm. really mm. – th there's a lot more to being there a is. professional clown than just having some makeup on no, and a funny so. funny hat on, you know. Mm. So that's 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 important. To understand that, but I also started. I learned about Patch Adams, and we were doing clowns and clown doctors here yeah. in Adelaide long before there was an official clown doctor yeah. group in in South Australia. Yeah. I also heard about a doctor in um, India who was doing laughter and laughter yoga, as he called it, or it's become known as laughter yoga, yeah. and they were doing in the parks, in the gardens and stuff, they would sit down in a group and they got together and they were just telling jokes. And what happened was they found out that telling jokes was okay, but then by the end of the week, everybody said, oh, we've heard that joke, we've heard that joke. And, not, you know, he'd heard it last week. It's not funny anymore. And then you can't keep telling the same joke five times to make people laugh. Mm. So he was trying to find some way of doing that. And then a friend said, look, in yoga... For 4,000 years, they've got this yoga breathing and yoga laughing. And he said, what's that all about? So he studied that and he looked into it. So he incorporated some activities. I call them activities rather than exercises, <laughs> you know, but nobody wants to exercise, but people don't mind getting involved in an activity. So there's activities you can do which induce people to laugh. Mm. And breathing and, and rolling out with a rolling laugh and, and stretching and breathing and, and all that sort of stuff. And then you put all these different activities together and forms like a pattern of things to do which make people laugh. Mm. And when somebody starts laughing and smiling, it, it's so infectious. The next person starts smiling and the next person starts smiling and all of a sudden you've got five or six people laughing and together and it becomes more and more and more um, contagious sort of mm. thing, you know. And, and it really does. It spreads very quickly. Even the person sitting on the back 
watching people laugh mm. will mm. want to laugh or feel yeah. better for, for doing it, yeah. you know. And yeah. that's what the laughter clubs are all about. So I decided that I was going to start some laughter clubs yep. here in Adelaide long before anybody else thought about it. Or, and that's over 30 years ago now. Mm. And Albert Ben Simons, thank you very much, who is a jeweller here in Adelaide, went to India and made arrangements for the doctor from India to come here. And we had a big, big thing in the park and he was in the press and everything else where he went into Parliament House and all over the place. Mm. <laughs> Thank so, you, Peter. We, we need a we need a lot more time. We've yeah, only just started. To, we've only just started to find out a little bit about Peter. We've only just touched the surface. There's a lot more to Peter than meets the eye, <laughs> but we'll continue. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Brian. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over thirty years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au. Brazier Mobility, creating independence. When you hear the name Bocelli Cafe, you think an Adelaide institution, a family restaurant that's been providing the finest Italian cuisine for almost two decades. Coffee of the highest quality and staff that treat you like family. Spacious, COVID-safe indoor dining and a fully heated outdoor area. The kitchen is always prepared for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Parking's a dream. Bocelli Cafe Restaurant, 81 to 83 Hutt Street, Adelaide. Call them, 8232-3006 to book or follow Bocelli on Facebook and Instagram. Hi, this is David Heath and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Peter, I'd like you to just spend a little bit of time telling me about your professional business as perhaps an insurance agent and a broker because I believe it is that uh, profession that led you to becoming a motivational speaker. Yeah, because 
when when I first left school, you know, I didn't have a, a great education in the sense that I didn't think I believed what other people were telling me that I wasn't that smart or that good because I couldn't read or write and speak English very well. But then I went and did an apprenticeship. And when I did my apprenticeship, I, I went to trade school and went to night school. And then I thought, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'm not as bad as some people did. So I went to night school and I, I learned how to be a tool maker, right? I started off as a fitter and turner and then ended up as a tool maker doing uh, drafting and tool design and stuff like that. And then while I was doing that, I used to do a lot of charity work. I always, and I still do a lot of charity work. I help fundraise and all the rest of it. I was selling raffles tickets at this particular hotel where I used to go regularly and one of the guys I used to sell raffle tickets to befriended me. We used to talk with him and his wife and a few other people there. And then he said, you know, you'd make a good salesman. I said, oh, yeah, thank you very much, you know, <laughs> because by this time I was quite cheeky and I, yep. I, I grew over out of that shyness. And then I said, oh, yeah, okay, thank you. And then one day he said, look, I'll get one of my sales managers to come and talk to you. Mm. He said, have you ever thought of selling insurance? And I said, what's that? <laughs> I was so naive. I had no idea mm. that you could have life insurance. I mean, I was a young man, but I had no idea about life insurance, superannuation, disability insurance, all those other things. I had no idea. So he said, look, I'll get one of my guys to talk to you. So this guy literally the next day rang me up or two days later, because this was on the Friday night. But on the Monday, this guy rang me up and said, yep, I've been speaking to my big boss. I want to talk to you. So I said, all right, come and talk to me. I'm looking for opportunities all the time. And he said, look, this is what it's all about. This is what you do, blah, blah, blah. He said, for the first few months, I'll come with you. You just tell me who, who we're going to talk to and I'll do the presentation. You just watch me and then you learn from me. I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so I started mm. doing that and I set up appointments with a couple of my uh, friends that I did apprenticeship with, a couple of other friends that I used to see regularly. And all of a sudden, we, we sold a half a dozen policies. You see, but because I wasn't officially working for him, they had to go on like a special deal that they were yeah. waiting until I started officially. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I can't start. I said, I'm going overseas. I said, I'd already planned to go overseas to visit relatives, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, cut a long story short, he kept ringing mum up and saying, when's he coming back? Kept ringing home mm -hmm. saying, when's he coming back? The day I came back, he arrived on my doorstep and said, mm -hmm. listen, a course is starting on the 7th of January. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come along? And I said, well, I'm supposed to start back at the factory on the 14th. He said, well, you've got a week between coming to see us or going back there. So and you, you got didn't go back to the factory, did you? I never went back to the factory because I started selling insurance from then on. And But that there helped me to understand and learn a lot more. I saw other speakers. I saw other trainers and stuff. And I thought, wow, that's what I'd like to do, what they're doing. And and that's when I went to Toastmasters. I went to night school and I studied a lot to uh, get to what I, where I wanted to be, you know. And like I used to be in a band. I started a band and I used to play the drums. And, and I thought, wow, I want to learn to play the drums so that I can be in a band. So I had to learn to play the drums before I could be in a band. And then they needed a singer. I said, well, you know, i got to learn the songs before I can, you know. So I went to singing lessons and I, I learned to sing and, and so that I could be the singer, you know. I didn't just jump up there and start singing and think that I was God's gift to music. You know, I thought, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to learn how to do it. So I did the same thing with uh, professional speaking or what they call public speaking. I did a lot of public speaking. I just went to different 
companies and they said to me, would you talk to us and talk to my sales team? Would you talk to our team at a meeting, at a breakfast meeting, at a you know, network meeting or whatever. So I went to all the network meetings. I went to all the breakfast meetings. I went to the evening functions. But I was learning from the people that I could see. And I thought, I'm going to do be like him. I'm going to be just like her. I'm going to, I'm going to try and be funny. I like the way she made people laugh. I like the way he was too damn serious, you know. I like the way he interacted with the audience. So I was looking at all these people and learning from them. Until I went to Toastmasters where they actually teach you how to do public speaking or professional speaking. Mm, mm. And then I thought, that's what I need. I need a coach. I need a teacher. And that's where I got help from, you know. And then from there, because my sales were quite good and I was, you know, top of the team and all the rest of it, the manager said to me, we're having a conference. How would you like to be one of the keynote speakers? I thought, what, me? <laughs> he said, yeah, well, you know, you, you, you're the top salesman in this team. You know, you're, you're in an area. I used to be down at Christie's Beach, for those that know Adelaide. It was the lowest economic area in all of Australia at one stage mm. and it's nothing to be proud of, you know, and, mm. and but our team was the strongest team. Mm. He said, how come you're in the lowest economic area and yet you got the strongest team with the biggest sales or the most sales? You know, we didn't make big sales, but we made a lot of them. Mm. So all those little sales added up to a, a big amount. And uh, then I just went and did that. And somebody else said, oh, would you come and talk to our team? And I said, yeah. And so I used to go to all the conferences and do all the different teams and not get paid for it except a bottle of wine or maybe a, a gold pen or <laughs> as your previous story or mm. whatever. And then I thought, wow. When I saw the speakers from America that came to Australia to do speaking engagements and getting paid a year's wages, mm. you know, for, you know, three or four speeches, I thought, if ever I sell out of insurance, I'm going to do what they're doing. Mm. And then the same thing. I said to me, if I want to do that, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? And that's what I, this whole show is about, helping people to be happy in it business is, and is. growing themselves to be what they want to be. It is, Peter. It is. Now, I hope that people have found your your session today inspirational because it certainly is uh, inspirational, Peter, and uh, I, I think people would be uh, very interested to know what some of your background is. We obviously need a, a lot more time to uh, tease out some of these things, but this is Brian uh, Lee on a reverse uh, take of, <laughs> of, of Peter Salerno. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much, yeah. Peter. Look, and thank you, Ron. I've been doing like when I sold my business, my insurance business. I went on to start a, a, another business, which was a, a publicity and promotions business, and I started Dream Promotions. And I used to have all the clowns in Adelaide working with me, and I had lots and lots of face painters, lots of entertainers, lots of bands, musicians, magicians, and other side acts, and I was like an agent for them. But I used to go to the major stores and businesses and I'd say, instead of you ringing up five or six different people to try and get one person who's mm. available for your function, mm. let's work out a deal that you ring me, tell me what you're looking for, and then I'll find the person that's mm. best suited for you. And so what happened there, um, I got a reputation of delivering 
exactly what they wanted, when they wanted it and how they wanted it. Because when they booked, a, say, a face painter, usually, usually it was a female face painter, and on the Saturday morning that they were supposed to go there, they'd been out on the Friday night and they didn't get up in time. They'd be late to the shopping centre to mm. set up or they would ring in and say, oh, my child is sick and I can't come in. Mm. And the shopping centre didn't have a face painter for that day that they had promoted on their publicity and mm. stuff. But I would say to them, don't worry, you tell me what you're looking for and I'll have somebody there, but I've got five people on standby. Mm. You know, and they say, what? And sometimes I would send a face painter there with somebody who was learning and they might have two or three people there who were face painting, but one of them was being paid the official face painter's fee. Mm. The others were getting paid a learner's fee. And they loved it because they had three face painters for the price of one, mm. you know, so they really liked mm. it. And then my business grew and grew because they also knew that they could make one phone call to me. I would go into their office and say, what's, what's your pram? What's your promotion? When are you doing it? What do you need? Give me a list of all that. I'll fill it up with all these people. Mm. And I'd go along and do all the running around and get all these people filled up. And that was a business that ran for about 25 years, mm. you know. And the funny thing about it was when I started getting booked internationally and overseas and all the rest of it, I gave my business to my secretary that was working with me at the time and she was doing a really great job. Yep. But she couldn't do it by herself. She didn't know, she didn't have the personality or the, the follow-up of making all the phone calls mm. of all the people. She'd get upset. You promised you were going and you didn't show up. Mm. And then she'd say, I'm not giving her any more jobs. Mm. And I said, no, but she's my best face painter. You know, the reason she didn't show up was because she did have a genuine reason. So let's get somebody else, put them there mm. and keep the best face painters. Mm. You know, so you still got to look after your staff. You do. You know, and you still got to look after your client. So your client is number one because mm. without a client, you don't have a business. Mm. And that's what these people don't understand. Mm. They get mad at some of their customers. Mm. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. And you certainly can't get clients and yet get mad at your client. Mm. It's not, the client doesn't need to know that. So don't tell them. There's some things you just don't say. Mm. And now we've got to take a break. <laughs> Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a 
Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm for Saturday Sports Scoreboard. If you would like me to host the show live from your sporting event, simply email your request to info at italiauno.com.au. Plus... We'll be announcing a special sporting competition with great prizes to be won. That's Saturday Sports Scoreboard from 2pm every Saturday afternoon on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Peter Salerno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. I've just picked up Peter's book, Laugh With Me by Peter Salerno. And what I'd like to do is just read to you the introduction uh, from uh, this book because I think it gives you a little bit of an insight into into, uh, Peter's life. The man with a magic message. Peter Salerno is recognised as being a high achiever. He has an infectious enthusiasm and is an inspirational and motivational presenter, as well as being a great leader and coach. Peter is a professional speaker, as accredited by the National Speakers Association. He combines all his talents to teach, coach, and facilitate workshops, seminars, and keynote speaking topics, include laughter therapy, don't you hate wobbly tables, the Salano principle of finding your better self, sales skills, motivation comes from within, accepting change as positive growth, pushing beyond limiting beliefs and pushing passion into productivity. Peter was a top insurance agent and financial planner, qualifying for consecutive years as a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable. Peter has also been an entertainer and magician, appearing in films and TV commercials, including a guest appearance in a TV soapy in New York, USA. He was a newspaper and magazine columnist and also has a regular spot on radio shows and his book is actually called Laugh With Me. Peter is the president of the Laughter Clubs of Australia. Peter Salerno, the man with a magic message. Very impressive, Peter. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm humbled. I really am. It's different being at this end of the microphone. <laughs> we just, you just sit there and enjoy it, Peter. 
look, I've, I have enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's been great. And I love it when I've been working in Asia and through Southeast Asia and, you know, over in Dubai and places like that where they've, you know, flown me over and said, please come over. And I've been to Vietnam and Cambodia and, you know, right through, you know, Asia, you know, Indonesia, Thailand, you know, all those countries. I've, I've, I've got an office in Malaysia that I've held there for over 10 years and going backwards and forwards all the time, right through wherever they book me. Um, it's been fantastic. And when I see a team of people, salespeople who say to me, look, we, we're not going to get our budget this year because of this reason or that reason or government or economy or whatever. And then after the seminar, I get messages saying, wow, you know, after that, everybody got and hit their straps and we got the budget within the next three months mm. or, you know, we we didn't expect to achieve our targets and, and everybody in the team got to their target because the teamwork, that's really all it is. You know, like soon as somebody is leading the team, keeps going, the other people say, well, if he can do it, so can we. If she's doing it, so can we. But if the person who's leading the team has slowed down for some reason, mm. the people behind will immediately slow down. Mm. They say, oh, well, Ron's the top dog. You know, if he's finding it hard, it must be hard out there. Mm. So they tell themselves it's hard. They don't go make that extra call. But if Ron is leading the team and pulling out and everybody said, well, if Ron can do it, I can do it, I'm going to go make that extra call. Mm. You know, otherwise they'd just sit down and have another coffee, <laughs> you know. But if if you're leading the team and you're leading it way in advance, the others will catch up. Mm. They'll, they'll automatically be motivated by what you are doing or demotivated by what you're doing. Mm. And that, you know, that's what juice, that's what gives me energy. When I'm on stage, people say, well, aren't you tired? You've been here for, you know, 12 hours. I said, yes, yeah, so what? Mm. You know, like, mm. this is fun. <laughs> you know, it's like playing in the playground. You know, the kids don't stop. Mm. They just keep playing until it gets dark and mum says, come on, we've got to go home. Mm. You know, kids don't get tired of having fun. Mm. And I'm just a big kid. Mm. I want everybody to be like a big well, no, kid. You've, you're obviously enjoying what you're doing, Peter. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and like I say, thanks to Ron from Podcast City, yep. we're able to podcast this around the world. Yeah. You know, right. thanks to Radio Italia Uno. We're, we're here every Monday. Mm. So, you know, and thanks to my guests that make it possible. Yeah, yeah. And and thank you for a little bit of insight into Peter Solano too. Thank you, Brian. It's a, it's a, it's a turn of the books, if you That's like. Right. I know. I could, <laughs> turn of the chairs. I'm on the other you, end. <laughs> I could see you sitting there almost blushing at times, Peter. You know, it's a, well, it's, a, you know, it's not an easy thing for you, is it? No, I'm, I'm actually quite humbled because no, you know, I just do it because I love doing mm, it. I, I don't do it for the praise. I don't do it, mm. you know, I do it because I really enjoy helping people. Mm, I think I think your listeners will in, enjoy hearing it uh, from you too. Um, well, I hope thank, they do. No, thank you, Peter. Again, I hope they share it. And like I say, if you've got a product or service that you want to promote, please get in touch with us and allow us to help you. And thank you to all the listeners here in Adelaide and all the listeners around the world. And Brian, thank you so much, Brian Lee, for coming in and interviewing me for a change. And, of course, thank you, Ron. Pleasure, Peter. Podcast City. Thanks, guys. Until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. 
Catch our show every Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.